catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. guys and welcome to the stardom cast you're now weekly or more or less audio source of all things world wonder ring stardom i am your host rob goodwin and i am joined as ever by chris o'brien the dink to my doink chris o'brien how are you it's christmas time there's no need to be afraid it's december we're in december it means i can i like christmas songs rob i'm not a massive fan of christmas but i do love christmas songs and christmas specials and christmas movies i've planned out my christmas movie watch list right there was a lot there was a lot said there let's let's break that down bit by bit so (laughs) we'll start with christmas time okay well no let's start with christmas songs what is your favorite christmas song Ooh, it is either War Is Over by John Lennon or um, okay. Christmas Wrapping by... I forget. I always forget who he's by. The Waitresses. Christmas Wrapping by the Waitresses because it's like the most relatable Christmas song ever. It's like, ah, I'm done with Christmas this year. Ah, fuck it. I'll be do Christmas. <laughs> Lovely. I'm, I might just go, you know, with a real classic. The Pogues, man. Fairytale New York. I... I used that used to be my favorite. It's like the basic bitch favorite. But Whoa. Um, <laughs> everyone says that. Dude, we're Every- not even two minutes into the podcast and you've just basic bitched me. <laughs> Where the fuck did that come from? Like, it's just everyone's favorite every year, and I'm just sort of like the appeal's gone like twenty-three years on this earth, and I'm just done with that song. You are such a smart. It's unreal. Oh, the, uh, I might have strong opinions on music. It's almost like it's my degree or something. Honestly. Um, Christmas movie. Favourite Christmas movie? Uh, oh, um, Muppet Christmas Carol. That is the correct answer. But, um, and actually, I haven't watched it in the last couple of Christmases, so I'm going to watch it this year. 
along with Love Actually, which I've never seen, but I've heard it's soppy, and I like that. Die Hard, which I've also never seen, but I've heard it's, like... Soppy. Actually, <laughs> soppy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gremlins, which I adore. And then... Oh, Christ, there was one more I was going... Oh, Batman Forever, because that's technically set at Christmas. I can't... Have you actually just tried to claim that Batman Forever is a Christmas film? I'm not saying it's a Christmas film, but it's set, uh, it starts at Christmas. So anything with snow in? There's a, there's a literal Christmas tree. So The Empire Strikes Back, that opening scene at Hoth, because it's an ice planet, does that mean it's a fucking Christmas film? No, because Jedis don't recognise Christmas. You're being very insensitive to their culture. <laughs> Um, I have now got Muppets Christmas Carol songs stuck in my head, though. It's in the singing of <laughs> the street one? corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by the fire. It's true wherever. Anyway. Um, and then what was the other one? There was Christmas music, Christmas films, and what was the other one? Christmas, Just Christmas time in general. Uh, but uh, Well, that's what I sang. <laughs> it's weird. That song is really racist, that um, Live Aid. It's so racist. That wasn't Live Aid. Well, it's Christmas time. Oh, oh right, okay. no need to be afraid. Yeah, like... Um, I think that my song, I was like, pretty sure no. that was Muppets. <laughs> no, like Live Aid, it's like, it's, in, it's a properly racist song. <laughs> it's like, do they, it's like, do they know it's Christmas time? It's like, yeah, probably. Like, a lot of African countries are Christian countries. <laughs> <laughs> they have calendars. Yeah, and not just that. It's like, there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas. It's like, one, some places in Africa do s- snow. Two, that isn't like the biggest problem they have. But like, <laughs> they want, like, we really famine. We want sitting there, like, dying of starvation, <laughs> of disease, unable to get vaccinated. And we're like, it's not going to be a snowy Christmas. But don't give a fuck. We have <laughs> rampant poverty, famine across almost half our nation, but fuck where is the snow jesus christ <laughs> yeah and us oh, poor major no one ever talks about major oh major uh, <laughs> oh major um, like honestly most of that was very like especially the song bit and the live aid bit very british orientated most people like any american listeners are not gonna have a fucking clue what's going on no no idea whatsoever um, so, ladies and gentlemen, we are here today. We originally were going to do um, the show from the 28th, uh, the show from Mutsu, and then Stardom World decided to be Stardom World and haven't finished uploading the show yet. So what we're going to do today is we're going to run through the shows from the 21st and the 23rd um we're going to preview some of the upcoming cards that have been released um including a really 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 tasty one from the oh what date is it now is it december 13th it is that's a really tasty looking card so i'm looking forward to getting into that later with you chris and then we're going to finish off by previewing the full card for osaka dream and then we'll talk we've got one question which we're going to delve into we've both prepared a sort of fantasy booking which we tend to do from time to time so we're going to uh, we're going to give you our responses for that and you can tell you can tell us via twitter or via discord about why chris has won because <laughs> i'm the best <laughs> <laughs> um, let's
let's delve straight into these shows then, Chris. So we'll start with the show on the 21st of November from Tokiji in Japan. Uh, I hope I've said that right. Not entirely sure if I have. Uh, in front of 170 people. Um, I will just say that these shows are all pretty missable. If I'm being if I'm being brutally honest, you really don't need to watch these shows. So listen to our podcast instead. We watch them so you don't have to. Um, <laughs> we res- we don't respect our time, but we respect yours. <laughs> You'll see what we mean um, a bit later on. But we'll start with our opening match. I'm just going to run through the first three matches. Um, Sayurida defeated Ruwaka at 6 minutes 31 with the Boston Crab. Match two, and I know Chris wants to just talk briefly about this one, was Colomy Pop, which is uh, Goki and Death and Riho, defeating Lady C and Saya Kamatani at 6 minutes and 44 seconds with Rio's Hellthrust. Now, I'm going to assume, Chris, that this is supposed to be heal. But twice in these two shows, it's come out as Hell Thrust. And I'm intrigued to know what a Hell Thrust is. Um, I don't think I can give an answer, but... <laughs> Have you ever seen The Simpsons Halloween special where um, Homer gets a donut from Satan? Yes. Um, you know that thing about feeding donuts? That's just not that's not, not the only thing it does. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um so you've been you watched this match partly because you said you wanted to track the progress of the newest rookie, Lady C. Um what did you think? Were you impressed? Uh yeah, what were your thoughts? Yeah, she's doing good. she's not botchy, which is good. Like that was the problem Saya had it. Where she was a bit sloppy. She Lady C isn't sloppy, but she's doing basic stuff, so it's very hard to like tell if it's just because she's practicing that over and over again. But that's how you get better. So yeah, she also stands out like she's got a different. She like she's different to anything else on the Saturn roster in terms of like look and aesthetic. It's weird because here both her and Saya reminded me of. Have you ever watched um, Perfect Blue? Um, no, I don't think I have. It reminds me, well, I, I don't know if I can recommend it or not, it's weird. Like, on one hand, it has something it wants to do and it does it very, very well. But on the other hand, there's a scene of a screwdriver that I can never unsee. And, yeah, yeah someone gets stabbed in a stick with a screwdriver. It's quite the time. Um, but, yeah, they remind me of the girl in um, Perfect Blue. Probably because, especially in size case, for an idol. But, yeah, um... I've more talked about Lady C in the Shikawa match from the next day. But yeah, she was good here. First Adam tag match and she managed to keep up. This is probably the perfect way to do it though because, again, Riho's also basic. Um, size a rookie and death works well with rookies. So this is probably the best way you can book this. Agreed. Agreed. Um, match three then saw a triple threat with Azumi defeating Hina and B Priestley at four minutes and 16 seconds with the Azumi Sushi. Um, we'll start our more in-depth match analysis with this match, match four. Uh, the DDM team of Siori Himika and Maika defeating the uh, Awidatai team of Rina, Natsukatora and Saki Kashima at 11 minutes and 26 seconds with the Yudigatami. Um Chris, what did you think of this match? It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. I'm glad... Um... Oh, we need to get away from like 
their tag league slash five star antics a tad like they're actually working better um especially i think most of the reason we did that because we didn't have a four person and Rina's is now a good four person so that's fine but otherwise like we've seen Oedetai versus DDM face off in basically this exact same orientation so many times so I'm kind of numb to it yeah um I thought <laughs> general bratty Rena just I think she's great I think she's growing into this role of bratty you know 13 you know when a girl sort of goes into that teenager phase and everyone it's that stereotypical oh my god you know the terrible teens that seems to be what Rena is going through with her with the tie and i absolutely love it she's a proper brat and she seems to have got this ill-gotten like confidence from this heel turn which is very very entertaining until she gets the absolute shit beaten out of her by Suri for, because she went for a Chris Jericho cocky pin on Suri, which just goes to show the pure arrogance that Rena has at the moment. That really made me laugh. Um, it kind of gives me like war flashbacks as an uncle. <laughs> it's back. It's like one of my nieces is just turned 17, so she's just getting out of that phase, but one just turned 11, so she's just getting into that stage. And it's awful. She just walks in here, sits down and goes, well, are we playing a game? It's like, did you fucking ask, you little shit? <laughs> and she's a nut. Like, if I, if I swear around her, and she definitely has heard worse swear words, she shouts language. And I'm like, you little shit. And then she shouts language again. It's awful. And I hate being like, she's a little shit. I hate it. And it just gives me flashbacks. <laughs> right. Like, okay. it's, I do like being an uncle because it's the only time you can actually call like the child a little shit and people are like you know what he's probably telling the truth I feel like you've needed to get that off your chest for a long time she is telling him just such a little fucking shit and the other one is not much better too the 8 year old she's fucking manipulative she knows what she's fucking doing and also she's a sore loser like she's good at chess right she can like literally beat basically everyone in this family at chess but she can't beat me so when she challenges me, like I'll like just start winning because like she likes me because I don't force, I don't like let her win. But also she doesn't like me because I don't let her win, and she like flips the chessboard. I'm like, well, what the fucking point was of all this, man? Jesus, I hate, but I don't hate them. I I love them to bits, but Jesus, they can fuck off. Ah. <sighs> um, <laughs> teacher, you get it. <laughs> I just I. I don't know if you want me to be impressed that you're really good at chess. I'm not really good at chess. That's the thing. You're just, just my better family than an eight-year-old. No, 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 no. I'm actually, she's actually beaten me a couple of times. <laughs> my family are just really shit at chess. <laughs> so you stand out like, above them. No, that's the thing, because I'm not good at things. I'm just better <laughs> than them. Um... I think that's a good Tora, just getting back to this match. Tora had flashes of real speed, which if she mm. integrated that more into her matches, and, you know, it, again, it's a running theme with a weird tie. If she integrates that more, she would be a terrifying presence because she's good in ring. We know that. She's a powerhouse. But that powerhouse with that fucking speed, that would be even better. And I think we saw a little flash over here, but I just I don't think it's going to be followed up on. And that really think, really upsets me i think that's my issue with tora 
she has so many flashes. She has like moments hmm. where she's really, really good, but then just goes back to a regular bullshit. It's like in like a TV show that you're like you're watching for no other reason than it's something to have on, but you're really frustrated with it. And then it has like, a good episode, and you're like, yes, I'm finally into this. And then it just goes back to his normal bullshit. It's like, come on, man. That's Friday like, night dinner for me. Like, it'll have the odd episode where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll f- I find this funny. Yeah, watch the next episode. And then the next, like, three are wank. I can't um, bring myself to hate something as innocuous as Friday night dinner. Like, it's not... It's, I, I was mostly thinking of, like, the latest season of Doctor Who, which had, like, a moment of being really good, and then Chris Chibnall started to do his shit. And he can fuck off. I hate Chris Chibnall. <laughs> what is it with you today what side of the fucking bed have you woken up on this one I fucking hate them I fucking hate Chris Chibnall I hate Doctor Who I hate life I don't hate Doctor Who I love Doctor Who I just hate Chris Chibnall I think that's reasonable I think that's reasonable um, <laughs> he's shite fucking did you notice at the end of this when um, Suri hit an STO onto Rena? I think Rena was either knocked out or had her clock cleaned because she was not with it during the finish at all. Did you notice? Yeah, I don't think she was... I don't think she had any actual head trauma, but I think she might have been, like, shaken. Like, it was a close call and it shook her. Yeah, because she landed head first. Yeah, so, like, I think it was one of those cases where she was fine, but, like, shaken for the rest of the match. I think it was more her being shaken than actually being, like, hurt. Yeah, because she was on the next show, but it was just... It was luckily it was right at the very very end it led to the arm bar which finished the match but like for someone who'd been quite eager quite the quick person in this matchup she she was very lethargic getting into that arm bar and i think that had something to do with it um looked pretty ropey did not look pleasant to take uh, aside from that it's 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 there nothing offensive i gave it five chris yeah i also gave it five maybe a six but it's not a ton of actively like so yeah it's a five it was it was fine it, there's worse ways to win a time towards the grave so exactly exactly and i'm gonna let that comment slide because i think that's just the type of mood you're fucking in today <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just like are you clearly a bad mood today and you need help it's one of those where i'm like just i don't know how to talk to you when you're like this <laughs> <laughs> Just like that, what episode is it? What movie is it with Sandra Bullock where she's just shouting, why can't you just be normal? And the kid shouting back. <laughs> I love Sandra Bullock. She's a national treasure. Um, and for America. Well, for America, not for us. But even so, adopted by the English. Um, <laughs> we adopt everything good. Remember. No, wait, no, I'm not English. What am I doing? Fuck you. <laughs> Match five saw Cosmic Angels, Mina Shirakawa, Tam Nakano, and Yunagi Sayaka defeat Mayu Iwatani, Hanan, and Starlight Kid at 13 minutes and 48 seconds with the gory special. Two first things. First, it was a great little installment in the ongoing Star Wars saga. And we now <laughs> finally know the Yunagi finisher. Um, what did you think of her gory special, Chris? First of all, it's the third Star Wars, so like, what's it? What would it be? It'd be Return of the something, but like, a camping of what goes with Jedi? Return of the Eater. Return of the Eater. She wasn't in this match. Oh no, she wasn't. Uh, I'm looking at the wrong card. Uh, <laughs> Good stuff. Um, re- Return of the Professional Kit Starlight. I don't know. 
Star Wars is just shit anyway. Anyway, um, yeah, this was grand. Like, Unagi had moves in this one, which I was going to ask you, actually, now that she's, like, performed some moves, has your opinion changed much, Donna? Um, I was going to leave this till the the, uh, the 23rd, but because um, I've actually got in my notes, ask Chris what he thinks. Um, <laughs> so there you go. We're so, we're so in sync. Have, but... I actually have that in my notes as well. It's like, ask Rob. What you <laughs> um, I mean, she... I find her very bland. And that's my main concern. My issue was never that she was bad. Um, yes, she has moves, but there's no real... Every person on the stardom roster, even Mina, had signature offense. You know, Sayurida has her chops, her power. Uh, Tam Nakano has her kicks. You know, the German suplexes, the weird sort of matrix into a pinfall. You know, everyone has got that sort of signature style. And I just, I don't think that Mina has that yet. And and I know, and thank you to Valkyrie on our Discord for sort of filling us in on where um, Yunagi was in Tokyo Joshi Pro. Um I just don't think she's found that style yet. You know, she's she's completely inoffensive. Nothing she does is particularly bad. There was a couple of moments, especially on night two, where she was a bit slow. Um, but you know, I'm I'm not I'm not going to judge her for that. I'm just let's put it this way: Hannon is 16 and has more about her than Yunagi, in my opinion. Hannon. Hannah also has more experience, though. Even so, she's 16. Rena is... Uh, I think Rena's... F- she's 14 still? Is she 15 now? Rena and Hina are both 15. And Rena has more about her than Yunagi does. Um, Hina, to a certain extent, has those judo throws, which, you know, is sort of a thing that she has. It's not synonymous with Hina, because I know that Micah does them as well, but... You know, it's something that not everyone does. Whereas you look at Yunagi's offense and you've got strikes, you've got the leg drop with the really long legs. And she has got, like, she puts a leg up for that kick that all the Cosmic Angels do. And her leg goes on for fucking years. It's ridiculous. Um, But that's, (laughs) sorry, just completely off topic there. Like, seriously, how long are her legs? You sound like a granddad watching the TV. Oh God! Look at those legs. Um, <laughs> you actually sound like my granddad. Very loud, <laughs> but there's nothing that is unaggy. Can you put your finger on something that is unaggy? That is synonymous with Unagi Sayaka? Or am I just being too harsh? I don't know. But for me, she seems very bland in her offense. She does what she does fine, but there's nothing that stands out to me in her offense. Yeah, you're kind of right. I'm, give, I'm sort of giving her time to get acclimatized to stardom because I had problems, like loads of problems, like a fucking list of problems with Shiakawa. And now I'm completely fine with her. So like, I'm giving her a bit more time. But like, she's slowly adding stuff. Like this time she actually had moves. So, she did, <laughs> yeah. Gone. 
um, calling it now, she's going to be a fucking UWF style shooter. (laughs) (laughs) In a couple, like in a couple months, she's just going to be standing there and fucking um, fighting positions, shooting for knockdowns and then like knocking knocking out children or whatever. Um, I do think, like, it seems to be a thing about Tokyo Joshi wrestlers where the aesthetics kind of are, like the sort of patchworked um, gear. I think that's kind of cool. Like, yeah, she's got, like a, she's got a good kind of thing. Yeah, she's got a good look. The the look like, is fine. The look stands out. People, like I saw what I'm seeing from people coming out from from Tokyo Joshi, where they have like where they have better looks sorted out more than they have their actual um, wrestling style sorted out. Because she's sort sort of the like if you were making a default character in Fire Pro, this is sort of what it would end up. That's what I mean. So that's what I mean. Like you, it. She's almost. The character you start with on a My Player on WWE 2K, where you've got a very basic move set that you know your generic move say you know every fucker has a DDT, you know something like that. I just as soon as she develops and starts to bring in offense that's different and isn't just you know sort of merges into everyone else's, I think that I will start to see a vast improvement. I don't. Hate her. I want to. I want to make that very clear. I said that on the last podcast. I thought she was fine in this match. Um, she was just unfortunately the least interesting. And this was a match that included one of the children, and I find Hannon infinitely more interesting than I find Unagi. I do like how we've now just adopted the term for like all the young people as for children. Yeah, I, you said it that much now that it's just ingrained in my head. Like, what else can you call them? That's true. You can't really call them the young lions, can you? Yeah, I think I was forgetting. Well, because they have more experience than half the fucking rust. Yeah, I do kind of agree. This match was grand. Like, all the stuff between Tam and May in this match was great. Oh, it was fiery brilliance. Yeah, agreed. By the way, before we get into the actual match, the promo... (laughs) From Cosmic Angels. Who gave these people sugar? Just and I'm, I'm so confused. But I think <laughs> I think as well, like I'm just gonna put this out there. I don't like the Cosmic Angels. I don't like them as a stable. I don't like the entire concept of them. And I think the reason I don't like them is because why are they a thing? Like <laughs> there was literally Canon Best. There was no dissent at all in stars. So why are they now a group? Like, Tam was fine. Tam was getting singles opportunities. She had her weird boob thing with Mina in the tag league. And, you know, I just, I don't, I don't understand where this has come from. We seem to have gone from everyone being fine to everyone suddenly being really, really, really fucking not fine. We want to kick your fucking head in. And I just I, I well, don't really that... understand what the point of Cosmic Angels are. They just say they want to take me to space, and apparently Mina Shirakawa <laughs> is going to be my cabin girl. Oh, okay. Um, and I will just point out her attention, please. Fantastic finisher. Um, <laughs> I'm just I'm very confused by the whole thing. I don't really um, understand it. I'm. I've kind of headcanned this because for me, Tam's sort of babyface journey ended when she beat Kagetsi. And then, like, kept going with Julie and all that. That was fine. But, like, in terms of, like, 
a baby face now, but because she's not going to go after the world aside on the title anytime soon, I don't think. And she can't be anywhere near the white belt because she's been feuding um, in the back half of the summer with Julia. So, like, functionally, there's nowhere for Tam to go as a face, so this kind of makes sense. Tam sort of seeing something in Mina and then going, you know what, I'm just going to make my own little island kind of makes sense. But I do agree it kind of came out of nowhere. This could have been a slower burn. I would have no issues whatsoever if there was a build. And you say there was nothing left Mm. for her to do. They had this entire thing in the tag league of Mina Shirakawa wanting to be accepted by stars. That's grand. And you know what? What better way to come full circle at the end of that story than to have them win the tag belts? Yeah. Yeah, you're right there. I don't know. It's early days for the story. I do agree it could have been... It, it does feel a tad rushed. I think maybe we're just like, oh shit, we have nothing for males to do. Yeah, no, I, I get that. But I, I will say, you know, from irrelevance of everything I've just said, you know, about the build and everything, I am invested in the storyline. I am enjoying the storyline. Like you said, Chris, the entire exchange between Mayu and Tam was absolutely fantastic. The reversals, and they were done at speed as well. Those kick reversals, it wasn't quite um, Iroha Mayu uh, standard, but it was still really, really good. Um, When Mayu does the whole jumping through the ropes and doing the roll through and the drop kick, and she misses because Tam's already scouted it. And we're getting those those little things that you have in a unit civil war where you already know your opposition's moveset. And we got that a little bit with Utami and Momo later on in the night. I'm really, really... And we seem to be sort of developing sides now. So we've got the Cosmic Angels on one side. On the other side, we absolutely have Mayu and Starlight. Who is going to be on that side with Mayu and Starlight? You get the impression that it is going to be Sairida. Um and you get the impression that Hannon is going to be on that side as well. But, you know, if... And again, we'll get into this when we look at the Osaka Dream Show. What is going to happen if Stars does fold? Are Cosmic Angels going to take more people on? Are we just going to have a void of nothingness? We haven't really... We haven't really set the ground rules for that. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. We don't know where it's going. <laughs> um Yeah. I had a point and it's left me. That's bad. <laughs> sorry, mate. <laughs> my my <laughs> rant has completely dislodged your thought. I'm sorry about that. No, because no, because the before I actually came from your rant. And now oh no, it's back. It's back. I'm back. It's sorry. Go for he, it. He, he could edit he could edit this out, but he won't. Um <laughs> So I think that, like, Saddam are obviously making a point to sign more people right now. And we did this right at a point where a faction was eliminated. So we kind of need a place for these mostly, by the looks of it, Tokyo Joshi um, alumni to end up. Because in terms of, like, DDM, they're full enough right now. Same with Queen's Quest, um... And Awedatai, when Gaijas are going to let back, are also going to be at capacity. And Stars was already busting up the seam, so you did need that fifth faction. Mm. So again, all this feels very functional. 
but like the actual story snap, the actual reason why I'd want to be investing in the story just isn't quite there yet. And they probably will get there because Tam can make anything out of nothing, as can May, and then everyone else is fine. But um, just, that's what we're waiting for, we're waiting for that fire, and we, we're not getting it from these two shows, especially the second one where we're not even paired up once. So I didn't understand that. I didn't understand that at all. The, f- the first night, this match... It was a good building block towards that match. So I'm sure over the next couple, because we've got still got quite a few shows. We've got the 28th and the 29th of November still to go up on World, and then we've got um, the 6th of December and the 13th of December before we get into Osaka Dream. So I imagine we are going to have more of a build towards it. But at the moment, this was a nice building block, but we haven't quite got all the pieces yet. Still a good match, like I say, that final stretch with Hannon and Tam was really, really good. The most brilliant near fall with Tam kicking out, literally on 2.9. I thought that was phenomenal. Um, Yeah, gave it six stars. It was a good installment, and it made me want to see more. It did what it needed to do. Mm -hmm. It was fine. A bit sloppy points, especially on Shikawa's case, those points where she was very clearly out of position and had to run into position when Starlight was doing high-flying stuff to her. Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it wasn't. But this match was by no means. Uh, but again, there's worse ways to spend your time. Like, you could have watched, I don't know, an Okada match. <laughs> that, that would have been an awful way to spend your time. I will not go podcast about slighting that fucking man. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> this is fine. Yeah, it was, it was fine. Um, again, Mayu and Tam, their exchange made this really, really compelling. That fight, they re- you really get the impression that they hate each other at the moment. And that's amazing. I just wish we got a little bit more of a build to actually understand why they hate each other. And also, Yunagi appears to have gone to the Suri School of Emoting because fucking hell can that woman scream? (laughs) Jesus Christ. That's half a roster, but yeah. Yeah. She was so loud. (laughs) So loud. You're probably just going to get used to it next week and it'll be a non-issue. Fair enough. Fair enough. Anyway, main event of night one was the Queen's Quest team of Yutami Haishishita and Momo Watanabe defeating Julia and Natsupoi at 16 minutes and 43 seconds with the Tequila Sunrise. Chris, opinion? I'm just glad Natsupoi is back. Um, I hope she stays from now on. Hey, hey, Nope. I'm not. I'm not acknowledging. <laughs> I'm not acknowledging Greatest Showman references. What do you have against that fucking movie? It's so good. Do you know what? Let me tell you what I have with against that movie. I am a <laughs> primary school teacher. That thing was the biggest fucking movie in the entire world for six months, which meant that every single break time, every single lunchtime, and part of the time whilst I'm fucking teaching, I had, this is the greatest show. And at the end of year assembly, guys, what do you want to put on your leavers assembly? Greatest showman. Oh, for fuck's sake. And then on top of that, on top of that, okay, you've then got, this is me. Shut up. I don't give a shit. It is the biggest load of shit with the odd catchy moment. I hate the film. I hate everything it stands for. It can fuck off. It can go and live in the bin, Chris. That's what I have against it. Do you even hate Hugh Jackman? 
No, the guy's amazing. Hugh Jackman is a treasure. Um, as is Zac Efron. As is say that it's a great, it's a great movie. I think it is a grumpy old man. Talk about the fucking match. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tammy started off with a standard, um, well now standard technical exchange, which makes us think. Um, Utami's going to be a bit more of a formula champion, you know, in the vein of like a, a Kada or a Miyahara. Whereas, um, what's whereas May was more like a Gojiyazaki, where it's sort of a grab bag with what you're going to get. So that's fine after a um long reign, that's fine, something different. Mm. Um, because that's the way time you start starting normal matches and they sort of end with a bomb fest and honestly it's not it's not a bad formula and it leaves with a, a lot of room for storytelling so it's not like you standard like with Okada it's like oh we're just gonna escalate and then I'm then um Rainmaker cause lol and it's not like me Harrow it's like this even if my legs hurt I'm gonna do these fucking number ropes sections. <laughs> Yeah, like so, like it leaves a lot more room. So again, if it, this is going to be her formula. I'm completely fine with it. Um, and then that's why Momo got in the ring, and oh my god, they are fast, especially in that support. She's like Sonic with fucking Hedgehog. The high speed exchanges between those two were absolute lunacy. It was go- it was yeah. such good fun to watch. It was a match, and we we must say this every podcast about a pairing on this roster. But it's a match I never knew I wanted to see. But now, mm-hmm. I just want 10 minutes of Momo and Natsupoi. It's not just that. It's the fact that because it's Momo, you can't trust it not to end with her just kicking Natsupoi into dust. There was a moment, and it was um, once we'd done the running of the ropes and we'd done the cartwheels, and it was all done at a phenomenal pace, and Natsupoi ended up sitting in the ring, and just as Momo sort of set herself to do this PK, you could see in Natsupoi's eyes just, yeah, that's me. Are you wondering how I got here? <laughs> yeah, it, I think it just slow. It slowly pans. No, it, there's two ways you could do it. Just like the kill Bill thing. It, the whole thing pauses and it goes to each fair face like bear, 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 bear. <laughs> or like you said, just everything sort of goes um, still. It zooms in on Natsupoi's face. Um, Baba O'Reilly starts playing. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like so. I bet you're wondering how I got into this situation. <sighs> Sorry, um, hang on. Can you hear that? Sorry. <laughs> Just had a run-in from my girlfriend who's decided that she's going to stand outside playing the fucking Greatest Showman soundtrack. <laughs> yes! Yeah! You've made his fucking night. Are you happy with yourself? Yes, queen. Yes, queen. <sighs> Does anything to get herself over, that girl. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! <laughs> and a and a running back hard. Don't do it. He may not survive this. Oh god! What were we talking? I've about? got no idea. Oh, now to the point about to get kicked and that's the one. Oh my god! Yeah, you you keep talking. I can't talk about it. <laughs> Oh, um, yeah, it was it was good. It was a really good match. I really enjoyed it. It sort of built to a crescendo. We had that horrible moment that Momo was beeled off the top rope by uh, 
by Julia, and she landed back first on the corner of the apron, which looked horrendous. Um, and then I really enjoyed there's there's a really simple storyline going in between Utami and Momo. Momo has been beaten pillar to post by absolutely everyone. You know, she is the butt of B Priestley's jokes. You know, she's seen as not a joke necessarily at the moment, but she isn't winning a lot of high-profile matches. She beat Himika at Sendai Cinderella. That's her first high-profile singles victory in a long time. So, not only was she given a title opportunity by Utami, she didn't earn it, she was given the opportunity by Utami. She then only wins this match because Utami helps her. And I think it's a really interesting wrinkle to this storyline because Natsupoy had this match won and um, Utami comes in, deadlift Germans are over ahead and that allows Momo to hit the Tequila Sunrise for the victory. But Momo having to rely on Utami to win and then that post-match promo where Momo says, you're going to be the champion with zero defences, which I love the fact that they are acknowledging. I love the fact that they are acknowledging that there hasn't been a champion who's lost on their first events. I love it, even though there has the second one, alpha female, but that's beside the point. Um, I love the fact that they're acknowledging it hasn't happened for a long time. And then you've got Utami saying, you best not get cocky or you will not know what's hit you. And suddenly I am so ready for this match. And it's such a simple storyline. I love it. This match was great. There's nothing better than begrudging tag partners when you've got a title challenge to set up. Yeah, sorry, I just had to step away because I was <laughs> laughing so much my throat dried out. I just, I literally just had to down my water bottle to get my throat, okay? So I'm back. I might sound a bit croaky. But, um, yeah, I completely agree. Um, begrudging partners, especially when we're in a stable, is great. I'm trying to remember there was this faction in New Japan that did that in a run-up to a title match. I can't remember what it is, but it was great. And I enjoyed it. And I enjoyed this dynamic here. Um, and yeah, this Momo with unearned cockiness right now. Because on some level she knows... Because like, it's been a steady decline for Momo since the five-star really, hasn't it? Like, she yeah. lost to B. She lost to... Just, nothing sort of went away. Don't forget she had um, that first that first real upset of the five-star when she lost to Micah. Mm-hmm. So you could argue that not... that was the start of the descent. Yeah, and it's not just that. She's sort of not... With the exception of some flashes, she's not really had a sustained period of momoness since her white belt um, range. She's sort of not been able to get that mojo back. So sort of being divorced from a belt. like Because when was the last time we saw sort of, sort of this fire from Momo? For me, it was for Match Remain. So, like, I think yeah. she sort of is missing... I'm headcanoning the fuck out of this. Like, this is me reading way too much into the story, but I feel like on some level, Momo needs the belt. Like, it's sort of like when Okada leaves the belt, he goes crazy or becomes shit. Momo hasn't become shit, but, like, she's just sort of... In kayfabe, lost her mojo. So. She's effectively locked no. into a championship match, hasn't she? Yeah, she's a, she's she basically she's the first one of the first people to get a championship match because the champions, um, what's it called? Her mate, nepotism. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> a title shot through nepotism. She got this um the side shot the same way fucking Jared Kushner got his White House position. <laughs> 
Um, as a match itself, I I thought this was a really really good match. I gave it a high seven. Um, I I love, and I think this is a direction we are certainly going to be heading in. Um, I really like the chemistry that Julia and Utami have. I think they've got really good chemistry. It's understated chemistry, but it works. And they've got mm-hmm. a little bit of a begrudging respect for each other that sort of played out on social media as well. Um, and that that begrudging respect, I think, will give us a really good basis for a match when we eventually do get there. And I think we will eventually get there. Um, what did you eventually give this match, Chris? Um, high six, low seven. It was really fun. Yeah. Really fun. I enjoyed it more, much like the match previous, and preferred it more for um, story reasons than actual in-ring quality. Like, honestly, if you're going to check out these shows, um, just check out the top two for story progression and then just whatever looks interesting to you. <laughs> Completely agreed. And to be honest, that's going to be the case for a lot of these shows. Um, mm-hmm. Because, to be honest, aside from the championship matches going into Osaka Dream, which, again, we'll get into at the end of the show, um, you're really looking at stars and Queen's Quest. That's really it. Oh, and DDM, of course, the Civil War in DDM for the White Belt, which we'll get into in a moment. Um, pardon me. Let's go into the show from the 23rd of November, then from Hamamatsu, um, in front of 203 people. So we started with match one with Mina Shirakawa defeating Lady C at 6 minutes and 59 seconds with the attention, please. Um, Chris, you've got some notes regarding Lady C. Yeah, again, clean. It was bad talking. Um, I think I made out to, I think I might have made out to you, but I have more complex thoughts on Lady C than I did. <laughs> we... <laughs> I just said I wanted to track her progression. I didn't say I had deep complex thoughts. Like, um, it was clean, but like especially with Shirakawa, who God knows is not the point where she can carry someone. Um, this match ended up being fairly painless. <laughs> it doesn't sound like I'm heaping praise upon it, <laughs> but like it, it was relatively botch-free, like no real big ones, um, like a tiny bit of sloppiness from both people, but they're both rookies, mm. so that makes complete sense. Um, like they're reaching higher than like your standard young lion match in New Japan. Or any company really. Um, I I think we have different opinions on this um, on the um, Shikawa submission because it, it looks good, but I think getting into it is a bit meh. Do you think getting into it is a bit meh, or do you think getting into it with Lady C, who is you know her entire gimmick is she's really tall, makes it complicated and difficult for Mina to get into it? Maybe. Maybe like I don't know. It doesn't seem like a submission you could strike out of nowhere. Well, let's. Uh... Let's give her the benefit of the doubt. You know, Lady C is 185 billion centimeters tall. So let's assume that, you know, let's wait till she locks it in on someone like a Natsupoi or someone like that. How tall it actually is Lady C? Is she taller than um, Himika? I think we established, isn't she five? Is she five eight, five nine? Lady C? Yeah, so that would be taller than Himika. I'd be taller than Garth. <laughs> well, that's a boy's taller than Garth. Um, <laughs> um, just run through these last two matches then. Uh, Natsupoi and Himika defeated Gokuken Death and Ruwaka at 7 minutes and 38 seconds with the backlash. I will never not love that move. Uh, match three saw Starlight Kid defeat Rina and Riho at 6 minutes and 23 seconds with that most dangerous of moves, the Riho's Hell Thrust. Making a reappearance, Chris. 
did. But I don't know if you saw the tail end of this match. I did see the tail end of this match. And <laughs> Starlight has put Rio on the apron on the outside and then run Rina into it. Now, what looks like it happens is Rio sort of just puts a hand out towards Rina and then Starlight rolls her up. And it was the most <laughs> bizarre-looking, messy-looking finish I've ever seen. It was so bizarre. Uh, did you see this match? Yeah. I like It was one of those matches where like, I sort of... It sort of lost my attention just because, like, I don't care. But, yeah, then the ending of this match was just sort of... Yeah, there's not much I can add to that. Although, shout-outs to um, Velkedge Bratcher in our Discord who sent me some Goku and Death art, which will forever haunt my <laughs> fucking dreams. Yeah. Like, he literally he literally put it in the Discord and was like, hey, Chris, you shouldn't click on this. I'm like, well, of course I'm going to click but on this. You've piqued my interest. But, like, if someone goes to you, don't click on this. It's, your natural instinct is to click on this. Of course it is. Like, honestly, honestly, if, like, scam companies just kept going, messaging me going, you shouldn't do this, I'd be like, you know what? Fuck you. Um, so I clicked it, and it was... Uh, uh, no. No. I hate clowns. I fucking hate clowns. You're the kind of person that would like, get scammed by a Nigerian princess, aren't you? What? <laughs> Have you not? Oh, there was a scam that went round. There was a scam email that went round, and I was, I think, 16. It's a really famous one. And um, No, I know, but like, why do you think I would fall for it? I know, I've heard of a Nigerian prince thing. I'm not. But you're the kind like, of person who would just go, hmm, seems interesting. And then you'd click on it. You so would. Like, you're, tra- you're acting like I have no sense of, like, critical thought. <laughs> Didn't you get hit by a car once by just walking into it? <laughs> no, that was the tram. Oh, yeah, that's um... right. <laughs> the enormous tram that you claim not to have seen. No, that's because for- I had my headphones in and my head was down. I stuck my foot out. <laughs> the tram hit my foot. Tram. It spun me around. <laughs> You're laughing at the fact that I got hit by a tram. I could have died if it was going at any sort of speed. Um... <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> it's it's kind of fucked with me laughing at. <laughs> like, I, I don't have very good spatial awareness. It doesn't mean I would fall for a Nigerian. <laughs> oh, anyway. Oh. Match four. Uh, so Tam Nakano and Yunagi Sayaka defeat Hina and Azumi at 8 minutes and 47 seconds with the back spin kick. Um, the big question here was, has there been enough of a spark yet for you for where we expect to see Yunagi? But we, we addressed a lot of that on the previous match, so we don't want to retread old ground. I thought Hina had some really great near falls here. Again, on Tam, who seems to be the queen of great near falls, especially over these two nights. Um, Tam and Azumi had a really, really fun exchange, but otherwise it's pretty much another win for Cosmic Angels as they continue their inevitable march on towards the Artist of Stardom Championships. Yeah. But yeah, basically. There's nothing to say. No, there's, there's nothing like, to say about this match. Like... This whole show was weirdly put together. It felt like they pressed random. 
in many ways um, on like fire promoter or something. Yeah, when you're four matches into the card, and this is no disrespect at all, but if you're four matches into the card and Hina is in that match, and if your semi-main includes Hannon, then you're looking at it and going, I why? Don't, I don't mind a semi-main involving Hannon, because Hannon's like at the point like where Azumi was like last year in terms of um, she's the kid with some more potential, so I'm fine with that, especially on these smaller shows when you need someone to take the pin. Potential, yes, Chris, but not semi-main potential. I mean, like, you need... Are you really going to put Mayu in the second match? No, but I would have replaced Hannon and Starlight Kid. What, and have Sairi to take the pin? Or have Hannon and Riho swap. (sighs) But Riho's basically a hobo at this point. She I just, just goes around. Well, with... there's, I'm going to go on a rant in a minute because it's not the only thing I think they've bollocks the booking of. Um, anyway, so <laughs> match five, we had the DDM team of Julia, Siori, and Micah defeat Mayu Iwatani, Hanan, and Saya Ida at 11 minutes and 33 seconds with the Suzanka. Um Looking at the pre-match promo, Chris, uh, Suri says that they are going to win in Hamamatsu and eat Hamamatsu dumplings. And then Julia adds that, and eat unagi, which is weird for two reasons. Uh, One, it's an odd thing to say anyway. And second, uh, unagi isn't even in this match. So... Yeah, yeah, we're just going to eat... Maybe she's for rich and they're socialists, so they just want to eat the rich. No, I assume unagi is... Is that not the... Is that not like some kind of salmon something? It's something to do with salmon. Oh, right, yeah. I remember this because there was a thing in Friends where Rock kept going, Unagi. Salmon spring roll. Um, so do you <laughs> No, we're, we're getting... Uh, but it was fun we're to see like a really cut. playful... Because we've, we've got used to every pre-match promo, especially with Julia, that's just the very, very same. You know, starts with every all the guys that love, 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 love Julia. But here it was just... It was, just, it was nice, yeah, playful I'd... side. I wonder if dumplings were especially nice in um, Hamamatsu. I have no idea. I've got no fucking idea what Siori's on about in this pro- in this promo. Uh, um, I can go. I love dumplings though, especially when they're like light as air. Oh my god! Um, Took a turn. And <laughs> can't a man love dumplings? <laughs> um, yeah. Um... <laughs> it could be. To be fair, though. I, in terms of like back, weird backstage promos, I really miss um, the tag team of um, Natsu Sumire and Session Moth. Oh, yeah. Be- because Natsu Sumire was a degenerate before, but then Session Moth would get her drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fucking amazing. And then I remember, like, I really remember this. It was going up to the boat race last year, and <laughs> she got drunk and spat on the boat race. Amazing. Amazing. Um, this match was a good little road two match. Um, you'd got Hannon's resilience, Julie being an out and out dickhead to both Sire and Hannon because they're beneath her. Um, Sire going on a mini tear and lighting up Julie with chops after using her hunched over body to hit Micah and Suri with springboard forearms off the apron, which was fucking great. It was real. They've really started to build like this this fire in Sirena. That the, her match with Micah at Sendai Cinderella was really really good, and there was callbacks to that in this match. And then there was just a real. She's starting to break out of that rookie sort of skin 
that she's been in. And we're seeing a little bit more attitude, a little bit more personality in Sairida. And it's what she needs. We just need to get the presentation. So we talked about in the Sendai Cinderella episode about the difference between someone like a Micah and someone like Sairida. And a lot of it is in presentation. If we can get Sairida's presentation right, she's going to look like an absolute badass. And she's going to be really, really fucking good in the next 18 months. Yeah, I kind of want to see Sayurida versus Walter. Nobody wants that. Sayurida wouldn't come up to his no. bloody waist. A, a, a chop battle would be great. Her chops are becoming a lot better, by the way. Like, Julia looked in legitimate yeah. pain. Yeah, <laughs> she really did, didn't she? But um, also, she's so small that, like, the fact that she's sort of reaching up for the chops kind of make it better. <laughs> Yes, they do. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, but, but like, I just imagine if she did go up against Walter, she'd just be sacked happening. <laughs> um, I thought this was another good showing for Hannon as well, who is far and away the best of the kids. Her modified Northern Lights suplex, like Regal suplex thing, is it's a thing mm-hmm. of beauty. She does it so yeah. well. It's very clean, and she's starting to add more and more onto her moves. It's very clear that we're going, okay, we're going to start putting you into like more and more until like you get full-time outside of school um, yeah. later on. So, yeah, like she's getting better. I have no real complaints of Hannon for where she is in her career. Um, May We forgot to mention this in the backstage promo, but May is getting really, really like subdued in backstage promos now. She's saying very like, little, yeah. Yeah, like She's just like, going, yeah, we're here. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Check it out. Um, do you think that is almost a, you know, we've we the Osaka Dream card have been announced at this point. Do you think it's a case of, well, there is a chance that this could all be gone, as in stars and, you know, her alliance with people like Saeeda and Hannon, Saeeda especially, who I know so she's, she's close with in Starlight. So she's preemptively grieving. I wouldn't say preemptively grieving, more a sort of quiet determination. Because you're right. <laughs> well, like Goku. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, you're right. She is far, like the last, I mean, this has been for the last, I'd argue, three or four shows. She hasn't been herself at all. No. Which, you know, yeah, we're used weird. to her being up and about, you know, oh, forgot my tail, you know, but, you know, there's been, there's certainly been a change in her demeanour recently. Um, yeah, she's won from being from an absolute, from an absolute mood to an absolute different absolutely. mood. Absolutely. Um, Micah wins to reassert dominance. I think Micah's booking thus far in her run has been terrific. They've made, made, very few missteps with how they've built Micah, considering she's a rookie. Um, I think it's been really, really good. And there are teasers, obviously, towards the upcoming matches for a sack of dream at the end. Um, yeah, really good. I gave it high six stars. Yeah, I gave it six stars. Fun stuff. Um, my only issue is, again, it's an issue with this card. There's no real story. No one's paired off with anyone, with the exception of maybe, like, this, like, both Hannon and Sairida are possible future stardom um, 
but again, that would be will be just be token defenses because it's more of a token belt. It's just weird. Like again, this whole card sort of weird in terms of who they put together. So yeah. Um. So match six. Um. The main event of this show was Aida Tai, B Priestley, Saki Kashima, and Natsuka Tora, the artist of Stardom Champions, defeating Yutami Hayashita, Momo Watanabe, and Sayaka Patani at 13 minutes and 38 seconds with the Queen's landing. Chris, much as I praise what they're doing with Micah. Where the fuck did stardom go wrong with Konami? Like... Yeah, actually, where the, where the fuck is Konami? <laughs> I will give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that Konami was ill or injured during these two shows. But even without that, she was the big... And I've said this before. She was the biggest thing coming out of Yokohama Cinderella... And aside from Rena, she is now the least interesting in Oida Tai. How has that become a thing? She came out of the five-star think... like a fucking badass, destroying fools left, right, and centre, defeated both the white belt champion and the red belt champion, had legitimate claims to both belts, lost to Julia in a match that had no fucking build whatsoever and apparently completely divided opinion on whether it was good or not, and then just disappeared. She's been in random matches on the bottom of the card. What the fuck is happening? How have you not capitalised on the momentum of the fact that Konami broke up Tokyo Cyber Squad? She should be the biggest, shiniest black diamond in Oida Tai's crown. And instead, she seems to be fourth out of Tora, B and Saki. Yeah, it's weird. I think a lot of factors didn't help. First of all, the sort of blood feud you could have had with Kiona went out the window as soon as Kiona got injured. But like you could still could have done stuff with her. Again, she could have had a main match. Um, she could have won the white belt. That wouldn't have been bad. And also, I don't think what helped her was the fact that B is now sort of Stardom's out of Stardom ambassador. Great. So she had to be pushed more than her in Stardom's eyes. Yeah, and so without making her the leader of the weather type, it wasn't... Just everything went wrong with this turn, unfortunately. It's like when um, like the second she'll break up or Johnny Gagano and DIY. It's just... It just all went wrong very quickly. They just didn't seem to and have a plan, a bit... Chris. Yeah, like, there's no direction. Like, there's no clear direction for her right now. Whereas, like, out of five star, clear direction. Out TCS, clear direction. And that's all just evaporated very, very quickly. She came out of Yokohama Cinderella. Brand new look, brand new faction, looking like a legitimate badass. The first thing she should have done is challenge Mayu for that red belt. Give her mm-hmm. the beating of a lifetime. Have Mayu retain just... Then have her beat Julia for the white belt, which I think she should have done. Because what you've done now is you've you've cooled down completely. You've cooled her down completely to the point where what what is the storyline for it? Like she was in Black Widows with B, which was a great tag team. That's gone nowhere because obviously they didn't win Goddesses of Stardom. Um, So that's sort of not a thing now. And now she's, I, again, I'm going to assume that she's either injured or ill, and that's why she's not on these two cards, because she's on the cards going forward. But again, she's in cards that 
So? They're, they're not big I, matches. I can see a big... Um, like It sort of speaks to how she's been booked since, but I didn't notice that she wasn't on beat cards until you pointed out. And I can see a big pushback to what we're saying here being, well, give it time. But the problem is, upon leaving, upon such a big heel turn like we got, like she broke up TCS, which was basically one of... Um, was there and so at that point in tribute of hand like it's a big heel move and they've done nothing with it like you had a lot to work with and it's eventually all just evaporated to the point where now if you do something with konami it would probably still be good but it's not going to be like the monstrous run that we're going to get it's kind of like if we're going to use another example um if you go over to w where keith lee was like white 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 hot at the end of last year, yeah. and then they waited six months to put the belt on him. It was it's that kind of thing where it's like, okay, kill the belts on him, but he's you should have capital you should have capitalized when he was white fucking hot. Well, that's the thing. Like, like she it's... she didn't even challenge Julia. Julia challenged her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was all it was all like it's weird. She just it's almost like they had a table of amazing ornate cakes that represent Konami's um, heel turn and then they just went to the shop and got a Mr. Kipling. Yeah, it it's it's just fell flat in my opinion and all that momentum, like we were full of praise for Konami, the way that she was wrestling, the matches she was putting on in the five star and they just haven't capitalised at I, all. I saw, some, I, I saw someone point out I don't, can't remember it in our Discord or on Twitter, but that um, Konami might have suffered because Shuri sort of wrestled the same style, but with more charisma. Shuri's a face. Yeah, no, that's the thing. And then that could have been a natural feud for the two but of that's them. that's the thing. We had I'd that be, face I'd off. I'd be completely down for Konami. Exactly. But... Who wouldn't be? Yeah. But she's in fucking three ways second on the card. Why? Against children. Against, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Saki Kashima at the moment is higher in Oida Tai than Konami. That irrelevant of Saki being probably the most entertaining in ring for Oida Tai. That should not be the case. That should not be the case at all. Um, moving past that, this match puzzled me for so many fucking reasons. You've got B Priestley who has done nothing but call out Momo Watanabe for what feels like the last 32 years in every single fucking promo she's done, Momo should want to kick the ever-loving piss out of B Priestley. And it was like any other match. There was no fire, there was no desire to hurt her, there was no desire until the final promo after the bell had rung. There was nothing. Like, there was a hot start with um, Saya and Saki. Really good. There was loads of um, high-speed hijinks. It was great. And then in the middle, it just died a death. It was so slow and so dull. Again, it picked up towards the end, but... What the fuck happened? Talk about peaks and valleys. Yeah, um, I think in terms of that, you might, in terms of like the actual match structure, I think you might be a bit harder on it than, um, like in terms of how you've seen it now. I'm still reminded of 
on a rising in 2017 is the first time Okada and Omega were across the ring from each other since Wrestle Kingdom and people were expecting fire. And then we just had a New Japan tag match. I'm kind of feeling that's what this is here. I do agree if they wanted to tell that story, they should have kept the first Momo and B meeting something big so there would be something more because they're not going to expand something that big on a row two, I think. So, yeah, I, a lot of things just didn't work here, but also I think, like, I can't hate it. It was fine. I enjoyed myself. There was enough going on between them, especially that start between Saki and Momo. No, Saki and Saya, sorry. Where, like, again, Saki just sort of proves that she should be going for the high-speed title because she's good at that style. Again, Saki is the most entertaining in-ring competitor for Oida Tai. Like, there's... I think, part, I think part of that is we didn't get the chance. Like, for example, we saw so much of Tora in the five star that we had chance to get burned out on her antics whereas Saki we never really had that opportunity and then B is so fucking loud <laughs> by the way during this match I don't know if you heard it someone no it was in the previous match someone was breathing into the fucking no, mouth I didn't hear that <laughs> and I was like that's so and I was like please stop please it's like I'm watching fucking ASMR commentary for stardom it's awful <laughs> um, but yeah like in terms of like I completely agree with the story context but like in terms of this match itself i think i can't bring any issues i have with it i can't bring myself to rant about because it's a random road to show it really was just there for the enjoyment of the live crowd i think that's sort of the same with this whole show because there's not really any major or in most cases even minor story progression it's just sort of people getting more reps in i'm not even angry at b i'm just you know if you're momo i'm not expecting fire I'm not expecting lightning quick exchanges on a show like this in a six man or a six woman tag in the main event of a road two show, which is what this was effectively. I'm not expecting that. I am expecting some fucking kicks, some anger. That's all. There was just it was it was just like any other Momo exchange. And it should it I'm not asking for much. But B Priestley has done nothing but chastise Momo and chastise Momo and chastise Momo in every fucking promo. And it was just like, it could have been anyone across the ring. They could have substituted B Priestley in for fucking Unagi and it would have, it would have been the same exchange. That's the issue I have. I have nothing, nothing against the in-ring stylings of this match, apart from the fact that in the middle we just did a lull while nothing happened. It's just there should have been something there for 30 seconds... Just have Momo you know kick what? the shit out of B and then I'll be roll out of the ring and run away. Perfect storytelling. You know, one thing I did like, though, is that finally Oedita using heel tactics to actually win the match. Like the chair shot at the end. Yes, we talked about that last week, didn't we? Where, you know, it, yeah. it's, you know, cheating to win again. But at least we're actually getting a result. Um, it was the first of two times where I enjoyed... Nask Tora's work with the chair. My second one was where uh, Tora put the chair on the back of Utami on the end and jumped onto it so that she could get into the ring. That <laughs> was brilliant. Yeah, um, the only thing we would have made it better is if it was a fucking Miss Outsnack and Mike Gossam chair shot. I am a bit sick in the head, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like full on breaking the chair over him. That been great. But yeah, it was. I. It was a capital I thought was a completely fine, serviceable main event. Mm. Um, I did find something on Twitter, and <laughs> no, 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 it's nothing. It's something like that. Um, chops, kicks, and near falls. Um, 
which are a website which uh, obviously podcasts, wrestling game reviews, things like that. And um, they put something um, that just said translations obviously can be misconstrued, misunderstood, especially when you use Google Translate. It's not the the, uh, the cleanest of translations, but um, it appears that even Japanese fans are starting to lose patience with Oedetai. And um, it cut back to a um, announcement of the results between from the 28th between Mayu and Starlight and Tora and B. Um, I'm sure I'm not spoiling the match for you, Chris, because it's a Road 2 show, but shock of the day, it ends in DQ mm-hmm. with two hanging spots. Um, <laughs> this was the reaction from uh, just three random... Um, Japanese tweets that were underneath the um, the original thread. So, obviously, this is translated, so it's not going to be um, fantastic English, but this is what it said. A foul from Oedetai again. Compared to the Oedetai court when Kagetsu was there, I feel the lack of quality is quite noticeable. I feel like there was a product in the heel unit before. I mean, that's that's everything we've said. Um, you you shouldn't mm-hmm. call yourself Oedetai. Um... Kagetsu would have wouldn't have stabbed with the ten hands. Why weapons and fouls? Um, match was destroyed. Um, a match that customers are not looking for at all. Um, I'm wasting my money. Um, the match of Oedetai was treated as the dark match, and then you know it just carries on. So clearly, the booking of Oedetai and the way they've been portrayed isn't just pissing off Western audiences. It's clearly being felt in Japan as well now. And I don't know if you heard. Um, sorry, I don't know if you heard oh. at the end of this match when Tor is talking. There is dead silence, like completely. Yeah, no one cared. No one gave a shit. It's weird because, like, a lot of time, literally, just feels like I don't want to say like NWO two thousand, but like it kind of does, and that it kind of gets the imagery of oh, where it sound like the iconography, but it doesn't get why people liked it. For example, there was hangings in the original Oedetai, but like that was a running theme between Mayu and Kagetsu. And when Kagetsu did it to Mayu, it wasn't just over the rope, it didn't cause a DQ, and it was more shocking because it only happened between them. And she got actually creative with how it, how it happened, whereas when... um. Tora does it, it's just over the rope. And it's weird, because I remember when um, she first took over Oedetai, and I was like, oh yeah, Tora's um, had Oedetai. You didn't believe me. No. Like, I thought it was Natsu. But like, I've, yeah, but that would have been even weirder, to be honest. I would, a very radical and degenerate direction. Anyway, um, so, yeah, like, she hasn't really found her feet as the leader, and I think it's been long enough where she really should have. Yeah, agreed. Like, I don't... I think us having an issue with Oedetai, and like most people having an issue with Oedetai, it's not a case of wrestling fans jumping the gun. It's a case of basic pattern recognition. Like, when people turned on Tamatonga through G128, there was a reason for that. He kept... It was... They kept getting DQ'd, and it was very, very, very annoying. And it doesn't... Like, when they get DQ'd, it makes no sense. Because what do they gain? Like... And the original Oedetai was actually something to be... Like, you look at, like, Azuki and Kagetsu. Um, they were actually... So to be fair, like, you look at how brutal 
both of them got in like say that match with Arisa. Or like but at the same time they could be playful like they turned up at one point dressed as the straw hats from One Piece. And like we didn't lose an ounce of credibility. Whereas right now they turned up dressed as I don't know, the gang from Yu-Gi-Oh. I don't know many anime. Um we'd lose all their credibility because it would just be like a, it wouldn't be an outlier. It's like, okay, because at this point, what Oedatai keep doing are a fucking joke. Like, nothing about Oedatai right now is working well. And I hate to say that because I, love, I loved Oedatai around this time last year. And But, like, like Saddam has lost a lot this year, right? Like, I, I cited the um, look at the end year climax last year. A quarter of those people are gone. Every other facet of Sardom seems to have patched the hole that was left. Either like patched or it's been removed and replaced with something else. Awadatai hasn't done that. Awadatai is the one thing that hasn't recovered from losing its main members. And it's because the other members were in the process of being... Like, Tora was in the process of sort of being slowly brought up. And then, boom, Hizuki got gone. Boom, Kigetsu's gone. You have a leader now, kid. And I don't know how to fix it. It's like literally at the point where I have no clue how to fix the issues of Awaratai. Like, because stopping the DQs was a start, but it's still, like, we still have no direction. We still have nowhere to go. It feels like we're just there because Stardom need an out-and-out heel faction. And it doesn't feel like we're there because they actually have an end goal. Because, like, if you have like basically all factions right now have a goal. What's Oedatai's goal right now? I genuinely could not tell you. And it's for, that's the basics of storytelling. You have to like, what's your motivation? How are we going to get there? Oedatai have no motivation right now other than chains. Apparently, like, cool. I'm a Fleetwood Mac fan too, but I don't know. I don't. I literally just. I don't like being annoyed at stardom because it is literally my fun time wrestling, but I have no clue how they're going to fix where I literally just wish it would go away at this point. I think the one the one tweet of the ones that I read out that really stood out to me was the in-ring product has suffered. And by God, yeah, mm. it has. I mean, it's not even like the matches are compelling. The, I mean, you look at her five-star, Tora's five-star, Aside from her Utami match, can and that ended in DQ. Can you name me a decent match she had? Can you name me a decent match that any member of Oida Tai has had? Aside from Konami against Julia, because I'll stand by the fact that I actually really, really like that match. Being Momo was okay. Being Momo was, was okay. It yeah. was, you know, it was it was a good it's... match, but. It's not a world beater. The thing is, Ingwing, like, as much as I'm, like, a work rate snob a, a lot of the time, I will take something interesting over something good, if but that makes sense. For example, happening. That's my point. Like, um, for example, if you got jump over to Noah, go Giyazaki's title reign, has been really up and down in terms of quality. Like, the site, for me, the Zaito Vegeta match is, like, really bad. But then, like, the... um. Nakajima and Kenna matches are really good and then it sort of flip-flops in between. And I uh, and I take that over, say, the IWGP Championship last year, which was a constant sort of 8, 7 out of 10, and um, but was completely boring. 
Like, and I'll take that. The problem is, Oedetai is not interesting because they're not going anywhere. Like, I don't know, because like for the longest time, um, Kagetsu was like the big final boss of Stardom holding that red belt. But you don't have that feeling, do they, at all? They just feel like a bunch of it. You know what it feels like? It feels like the early firing squad, like before Bullet Club like brought Jay White back in and like that section of Bullet Club just felt like like Tamatonga, Tangaloa, Balak Fale, um, even Ishimori got dragged into it. Felt like idiots who kept getting opportunities for no reason. That's what Oedetai feel like right mm, now. Completely agree. Completely agree. They need a Jay White. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe like we keep saying maybe when hate is back, maybe when Session Moth's back, then I Jamie Hate is really good and Session Moth is re- also like they're good not and fun game and everything. Changes, though, are they? No. They're not gonna come back and suddenly Oh, Editor's rebuilt on Session Moth's image. Like they need a complete change in leadership and I don't know how they're gonna get that because even with current members it doesn't work. It's we like I somehow feel like Oedetai should have disbanded after Gagetsu left and like I know that may sound unfair but it's been months and Tora um Tora went from being like a nothing in like February March just before lockdown to being an active annoyance to the product post lockdown. And Saki's fine. She's not a she's definitely not a leader. She's a good um second in command for a faction like she was in stars. And B Priestley, like that's probably your best chance, but also she's probably the most is there a more divisive person on this roster? I don't think there is. Why would you not put Konami in charge? Maybe because She's great, but like, she has more of a quiet charisma than anything else. She, she could, does. in time, be that final. She boss. does, but what she's done is she's transferred where she was in jo- Tokyo Cyber Squad as effectively what third in command. It was like the hierarchy in TCS basically joint second. Yeah, in jungle. Hannah. I th- I personally saw Jungle above Konami, so joint second, third in Tokyo Cyber Squad. So she was there, and now in Oedetai... Is she even top three? It's debatable in a way. To be fair, though, like, Oedetai doesn't feel like it actually has a form. Like, it feels like Tora's more of a figurehead than she is the leader. She doesn't feel like a leader. She doesn't feel like she's leading a unit in the same way that Mayu does, in the same way that Julia yeah. does. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't be complaining this much if they didn't like every time a Toro match comes up, I'm like, ah, fuck, I have to watch this because I have I'm doing a review. But fuck me, do I not want to watch half these matches? And like, I think what sort of speaks to our opinion on Oedetai more isn't like the rant we just had that probably went on for several minutes at this point. Well, it's definitely went on for several minutes, but you know what I mean. Um, and more that when Tora has a good match. We're going. Oh, she actually had a good match instead of Tora had another had a good match. Like we have to preface it with, oh, it was actually good in like the sphere of what Tora is. It's like those people who watch who for some reason still watch Raw and then it's a good episode and they can't stop ranting about, oh, Raw was actually good this week. It's like, well, the word actually just says a lot about your mm. opinions of what it's like normally. And I don't know. I. Because I remember I was softer on it pre-five star. I was like, wait for five star, see what happens. 
but like she got worse during the five star and like she started getting a wee bit better but again about another double chain spot here the chain is still ever present and she still hasn't figured out how to watch it uh like how, how to what how to use it and we sound like broken rackets at this point and it's such a the shame the thing is chris because like, tora is the leader uh, of a leader tie which means that yeah. at some point tora is going to get a red belt shot or at least a white at belt least, shot. Yeah, a red belt or a white belt shot, which, you know, in today's climate, she's not going to be main eventing a, or even semi-main eventing a Yokohama Cinderella, a Sendai Cinderella, or the fucking no. Budokan. So that means that she's going to main event a Korokan. I mean, is that going to sell tickets? Is anyone going to... I mean, do you expect Tora to pull it out of the bag for a title match? And heaven for fen, she should actually fucking win and we have to watch a title oh, reign. That's not heel. That's, I don't want to watch your matches. I don't... I physically, like you, I look mm-hmm. at is- DDM time the main event, and think, oh, for fuck's sake. It's weird, because... Like, a lot of people say, well, if you actively hate it, it's, uh, like, it, it must be doing its job. But, like, there's a difference between, say, like, a Jay White or an MJF or even um, a Kagetsu. A Tai Chi, for God's sake. sake. A Tai Chi. Those people, oh, a Champa. So many great heels. And then there's, like, your Corbins, your Tamatongas, your, your Natsuko Taurus, but those people where you just sort of like I'm not looking forward to watching this pe- person because like even if you hate like in movie terms there is a difference between say a Thanos a Killmonger and a Mandarin <laughs> yeah completely agree let's move on from a weird tie we seem to spend most of our podcasts moaning about them but it's it's getting a bit beyond a joke now um I just want to go through a couple of the card announcements that were made over the last couple of weeks, Chris. I'm just going to fire through some of these, you know, more road to shows, basically. So the match from the card from Toyama, which is December the 6th, has these matches. Saya Kamatani versus Mina Shirakawa. Uh, tag match, Saya Ida and Ruaka versus Tam Nakano and Yunagi Sayaka. Singles match between B Priestley and Micah. Uh, Six-woman tag with Awida Tai, Tora, Konami, and Saki versus Julia, Suri, and Himika. And then we main event that night with six-woman tag action, Queen's Quest, Azumi, Momo, and Utami taking on Starlight Kid, Mayu, and Riho. Um, anything jump out at you there, Chris, that you think, oh, must watch? Um, that six man sounds really fun. The <laughs> stars versus, well, stars and Riho versus Queen's, Queen's Quest. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's easily the standout of that. Um, may no, there there really is nothing else. Maybe be Priestley Micah, perhaps. Maybe that that's an interesting matchup in the same way that B Priestley is an interesting matchup, and in everyone where I can't see how it's going to gel, but like in terms of quality, B. Priestley's basically a grab bag. Yeah, so. exactly. You look at that Oida Tai DDM six man. You've six woman. Sorry, you've got Konami. That Konami versus Suri. That's quite an interesting dynamic. We've seen glimpses of it before. That I look forward to. But other than that, that is that card. 
this is the card I wanted to talk to you about. The December 13th card at Shinjuku Face. Um, listen to this for a card. So we open with the three-way battle, Ruwaka, Riho, and Lady C. Look how well they're booking Riho. Um, then we've got... The Oida Tai four-way battle, so Saki versus Tora versus Konami versus B. We've then got the Stars prelude battle with Cosmic Angels taking on Saya, Mayu, and Starlight. We've then got a DDM tag match with Suri and Micah taking on Julia and Himika, and then we main event that show with Utami and Azumi taking on Momo and Saya. I'm quite excited for this card. That sounds fucking buck wild. Um, like you remember, you went to Impact Fan back a bit, but like we had these one night only pay per views with really random cards. Oh, yeah, this feels it feels like one of them. Like there is one. Like it was. It reminds me of like just like TNA Fight Night. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> and like with. We have a couple of civil wars going on at the moment anyway, like the Queen's Quest, the Stars, and... DDM. Um, DDM, like, that all... It all makes perfect sense, like, from a booking level, and it's just going to be fucking wild. So that's just going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that like, show. It, I, don't, I don't know if it's going to be, like, objectively great. I don't know if any of it's going to, like, crack my match of the year, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be, like, a, not, like, as extreme... But, you know, like a Joey Dean Allen's spring bait kind of thing, where it's like, this isn't going to, like, set the world on fire, but my God, I'm going to have fun. I imagine the storyline progression that we desperately want, we're going to get on that night. So that's the December 13th card. The December 16th card, then, four days before Osaka Dream, um, we've got, we open up with singles match, Starlight Kid versus Lady C, um, another four-way battle. Uh, Riho, Goki and Death, Konami and Rewaka. Look how well they're booking Konami! Um, singles match, Mayu Iwatani versus Saya Ida. Um, tag match, we've got Azumi and Saya Kamatani versus Micah and Himika. Uh, we've then got the Artist of Stardom title match. This is Korokan, by the way. Uh, so B, Saki and Natsukatora, the champions taking on Cosmic Angels. Ugh. Um... And then this main event is I am so I genuinely think this could this has the potential to be tag match of the year. So this is the Osaka Prelude Incredible Battle. That's the tagline. Um you've got Utami and Julia tagging against Momo and Siori. Oh. Yeah, that is really good. That <laughs> is going to be very very good. I am very excited about it's that. Completely mixed up as well, which makes, makes sense. Makes perfect sense, yeah. Because you know what we're going into. But like in terms of like dynamic, it's reminded me of the um Mayu and Kagetsu versus Jungle and Momo match from earlier in the year, which was which is my stardom tag match of the year. So what makes me laugh is on these two nights, so December the sixteenth and December the thirteenth. Uh, on the um, images uh-huh. that they've released, Momo in both her pictures is the only one in those pictures without a title. <laughs> I'm I'm reading far too much into that, but it's it's interesting. It uh, it certainly plays into your story. Um, so those are the shows, and again, we'll be doing our best. Again, Stardom World, um, sort of 
allowing us. Uh, we'll be reviewing all of those shows. And then, of course, the main event, so to speak, um, Osaka Dream Cinderella from Osaka Edian Arena um, from the 20th of December. These are the matches announced for that. So I don't know if you've seen the announcements yet, Chris. I imagine you probably have now. Um, the Future of Stardom Championship match, um, which we thought, hmm, who's left? Turns out they're just going to throw him in a three-way. So it's Micah versus Saya Kamatani versus Saya Ida, <laughs> uh, which, yeah, sure, why not? Um, Taking... At least it's going to be like an actual triple threat this time instead of yeah. what we got to crown the champion. Uh, we then get uh, what can only be described as let's see how far down the card we can book Konami with Natsukator and Konami taking on <laughs> Riho and Ruaka. Yeah. What's Def doing? Okay, I guess we'll get to that. <laughs> Just what? Um, then we've got um, B Priestley and Saki Kashima taking on Natsupoi and Himika. Should be a decent match. That's, you know, I've got nothing against that. This is very tasty. Um, High-speed championship uh, championship match. This was the one we talked about after Korok and Chris. Azumi versus Marvelous's Mei Hoshizuki. Oh, yeah. So many drop kicks. That <laughs> so many drop kicks. Good. If they give that the same amount of time they gave Azumi and Starlight in Yokohama... That could be a very, very, very tasty match. If anyone listening could give us some um, watch, well, at least give me some watch material for the girl from Marvelous, I would very much like to know more about her before this match. This match is billed as the Break of Stars question mark um, with the Stars team of Mayu, Starlight Kid, and Goki Can <laughs> Death taking on the Cosmic Angels. I'm going to press you for your predictions in a moment, Chris. Let's just go through the rest of the card. Then, the semi, the semi-main. This was interesting to me. We've got us Wonder of Stardom and SWA Undisputed World Women's Championship match. Julia versus Suri in what seems to be a winner-take-all match. And then, of course, the main event, the World of Stardom Championship match between Utami Hayashishita, the champion, and the challenger, Momo Watanabe. So before we go back through those matches and give our very brief predictions, Chris, how is that card tickling your fancy? Like, the undercard sounds fun, the main events sound great. No real complaints with, like, the card. Um, how it's built may be another issue. It seems to be... But they're, like, a few weeks out so with half a billion fucking shows <laughs> so true that so really but um i've no issue with what the bill will probably be so yeah it's just really solid that could it sounds if everything goes as good as it could go back back could rival ninth anniversary and um set not sendai was um yogama for Sure, the year so like that could be great but then again we still have um new year um end year climax but at the same time we're doing end year climax last year to now for that aren't we so that didn't really matter into our stardom thing anyway yeah that could be incredibly good i think it, like this card has oods of potential so let's look at these title matches very very quickly then so the future of stardom three-way 
Chris, who do you think is coming away from that, the winner? Micah or Tosaya, I think. Like, probably Micah. Probably Micah. The issues that we had with Micah is that she is running out of challenges. You don't mm. want her to lose and look weak. Surely the best way of her losing is to not take the pinfall. Yeah, but ultimately I, th- I, I think we're mostly just going to use the future of Stardom Championship to have a championship around Micah more than like a championship to be defended. I can't see Saya and Utami holding the tag straps for too much longer. Um which is just my personal opinion, I see Tall Sire walking away with the future of Stardom Championship here. I wouldn't hate that. Mostly because more toss. Especially if he wants Sire to be a bigger single star, which they seem to be positioning her to be. Like of um, the two Sires, she's definitely the one getting more of a push. So um, she would need more singles reps. So that kind of makes sense to do. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't complain. Um, skip the two tag matches. High Speed Championship, Azumi versus Mei Hoshizuki. As great as this match will be, I'm sure, I'm 99% sure Azumi's taking this. Same. Um, although, that would, be, <laughs> that would be very interesting. Although, it would probably just be an excuse to like drop it back on one of those, um, what are they called? The shows with all of them on there? Assemble. Assemble. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll probably just drop it on an Avenger show, eh? Um, <laughs> yeah, um, but that's just going to be like high speed matches go by in a flash, and quite honestly, they're so fast that even if they're bad, who the fuck cares? <laughs> it's like, it's because of our point, it's like listening to a meh song. Like, you're not going to shout at a song for being meh, are you? No, so, well, I, I would, and some of the greatest showmen you'd even shout at good songs but yeah yeah so like when the when the bottom you can have on a match is it it was fine that's not a bad way to be is it we'll leave the stars thing till the end because we've talked about that a little bit but i want to go back to it um it looks like they're now just completely dissolving the SWA Undisputed World Women's Championship after what we spoke about. Um, because one of these women are losing. And I imagine the title will just sort of die a death after this. I kind of hope it does. Like, not because I don't dis- because I dislike the SWA belt, although it's been scarcely defended in the time I've been watching. It's mostly just because A, Sardom have so many fucking championships already and B, I'm so done with double champions. There's been so many this year. Question. Would you be opposed to a time limit draw here? I mean, if you want to copy Noah, then sure. Um, <laughs> what's the time limit um, in Sardom again? Because they've never hit it, so it's never, it's never really... I think it's about... Will it be 30 minutes? I would have thought it would be 30 minutes. For a tile match, I assume it would be either 45 or 60. Does it say on the... um, It doesn't say on the graphics, no. Uh, Can someone please tell? Because literally in title matches, it's never been an issue. So it's weird to say that time limit isn't an issue when after (laughs) the summer we just had. Um, Honestly, 
I'm so done with time limits and stardom that if, even if it happened, I'd probably just be numb to it at this point. Um, in terms of match quality, I'm sure it'd be grand. Um, in terms of booking, I think it'd be a bit of a cop-out. Like, I don't know, this, this sort of double fit, double champion one that sort of sprang out of nowhere, much like it did in Noah. I thought it was a bit of a cop-out there, just the match was so good it kind of made up for it. I don't know. Like, it's one of those things where I'm not going to fully know my opinion on it until it happens. Like, because mm. I, I, right now I'm going back back and forth between, well, keep them both strong, but why not? I don't know. I think it would be best because after the five-star, Julia, um, in terms of her standing in DDM, is a tiny bit weakened. So I think it might be a good idea to just, like, solidify that packing order. Because like you can do, because we did it in the um, Cinderella where they had Julia beat um, Shuri, but they kept in, but they kept it so that Shuri looked like she was definitely going to beat Julia. It's something we know these two can do in terms of the chemistry hit they have. So I think it's just best to put Julia over because these two know how to work with each other so that they both look stronger coming out of this. And then finally, the World of Stardom Championship, Utami versus Momo. I'm going to leave that just because that links into our question at the end of the show. What happens with Stars, Chris? What What is going to happen to this faction? Is it just going to break off? Are Cosmic Angels going to become their own thing? I mean, we've talked about how bloated Stars are, so they break off, be their own faction, maybe bring in some other talent, probably from Tokyo Joshi Pro, okay, and then have Stars as just the remainder or what happens here i mean i we've got to assume that cosmic angels are going to win yeah and i do like the question matt it's kind of like when um taker and cena were signed for mania a couple of years ago it's like taker versus cena question mark <laughs> um yeah i don't it's weird. again it's sort of showing the build it's had so far like in terms of what we can access, I literally don't know. It's weird. Um, but yeah, it, Cosmic Angels probably win, I'd reckon. Um, but like, that's not a stipulation, is it? It's just wondering, could this be the devolution of stars? Which kind of happened with Tam versus Arisa last year, where it was like, well, Tam ended up defecting from stars because of this. Honestly, I think there could be a really cool play here with Tam sort of seeing her opportunity when Mayu was weakened after losing the belt, because this happened very suddenly after Mayu lost the belt. Mm. So, like, there could be interesting plays from this. And honestly, Tam versus Mayu is one of those rivalries that could last months. So I'd be... And I'd, we'd be completely fine just seeing them, like, D.V. Austin versus Rockstar for ages, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Vegeta Gojizaki star. Jesus, some think it's still happening. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I think it would be probably best on a functional standpoint, so stars isn't so bloated, and also we sort of have a problem in, during the title reign where stars don't seem to fight when for the other one's championship unless there's a feud going on. So it means more people on the roster can work with more people on the roster. So like in terms of like a functional standpoint, I think it's best for stars to sort of split in two. Our question from JD in our Discord is, can you make a case for Momo to win the red belt? And then, second question, predict the white belt and red belt match 
for the Budokan show. So the first, the second part of that question links into who you think is going to come away from Osaka Dream Cinderella with the belt. So one word, Chris, Momo or Utami, who is coming away with that belt at the end? But it's such a complicated answer. <laughs> That's not one word, Chris. I know, but you know, fuck your word limits. Um, who do you think you are, Twitter? Um, kids. I don't. In terms of this, I fully support Momo winning because Momo Red Belt Rain just sounds so good. And I think she kind of needs something at this point, but also at the same time. It would seem like a weird roundabout way to do it when it would have been better just to have Momo win it from Mayu, I think. Because that sounds like it might have been the original plan because it was Momo versus Mayu at Yokohama originally, wasn't it? So I think what was going to happen there was Momo Momo beats Mayu and then that would crown Momo. I think we'd that just sort of got derailed so they took the the Utami route. So I think I think it it could there's a very it's fifty fifth. It's literally it's not like Utami May where it's like twenty five seventy five going towards May. It's is literally for me fifty fifty. It's on a fucking knife edge. Hang on, do I have a coin? Of course I don't I'm skins. Um <laughs> one second. I I'm getting Google. Flip a coin. Okay. Um, hang on. It's tail. It didn't say tail. You useless piece of shit. Yeah, so, okay. Momo. <laughs> Are you getting Momo? Yeah, because I, I flipped a coin. <laughs> Do we go... I mean, we've talked about, you know, Utami being that short title reign, the one that we haven't had in so long. I mean, the last short title reign was 95 days, and that was Mayu back in 2017. And do they dare do that with Utami? No title defences? I mean, she'll have held it for about 30 days by that point. That's, That's a gamble. On the other hand, you know, do you risk burying Momo? Because she doesn't win this. I mean... What she's won a match against Himika, that's it, you know. <sighs> I, I don't think Utami would be that bad if she lost because, like, you look at Jay White's um, first title reign in New Japan that had no defenses, basically just had a match uh, anniversary against Osprey. And but Jay White is still really well pushed, so honestly, I think it wouldn't be a bad thing for Utami to lose it because it just means Utami is more of a threat in future title matches. Hmm. Think of like how we now see evil, except Utami is actually good. I'm going to go Momo. And my reasoning is twofold. Um, One, at the moment, as I mentioned before, you have got... She has got this title match because of Utami. Utami helped her out against um, Natsupoi. Uh, Utami gave her the title match. Her pride is going to be hurting at the moment. She is ultimately the leader of Queen's Quest. 
she needs to reassert that dominance and what better way to reassert that dominance than to take the championship I think it would be extremely refreshing to have a champion with a shorter reign. Um, you've said, you know, how lack of uh, defenses and things like that could potentially, you know, we've talked about, sorry, about how it can potentially hurt a person. I think you are right. I don't think it hurts you, Tommy. She has still held that belt. Um, I think if you're looking ahead to Budokan, you have got more possibilities of sellout matches. No offense, but I feel personally you have got more matches that will sell out or do bigger numbers in that venue with Momo on top than you have with Utami on top. That's just my personal opinion. That might be complete bang out of order. I might have an, it might be inundated with comments about how I'm full of shit. I personally feel that if you have Momo on top and you have Momo versus someone at Budokan, then you do very good numbers at that venue. Well, and for me, go on. Budokan, Budokan isn't until March. No. So you still have so much time. It, like, if that's your reasoning, you still have time to give Utami a couple of defenses and then put it onto someone. So, like, put it onto Momo is going to have, for me, next to no bearing on Budokan. I disagree it's entirely. More... I disagree entirely because if Momo loses this, okay, you've still got Utami on top. Okay, who are you going to have Utami lose to on this roster who is going to do good numbers at Budokan? Because Budokan is their end goal. That is what you have got to look to. You can't do Budokan and have Utami versus Tora as your main event. You've got to think of big numbered matches and irrelevant of how good the stardom roster is and fuck me the stardom roster is good you have got a finite amount of main eventers and high quality main eventers at that i mean i would only just put utami in those main event slots only just because there's only four or five people you can put in that in that sort of section and the thing is, I personally think that the match that main events Budokan, which it ha because if you have Momo lose, okay, Utami is either going into Budokan or you've got someone else to beat her. And of the people left to beat her, you have got Julia, um, and what Konami mm, doesn't feel big. A May rematch, well. Maybe, but this early on, probably not. Jungle's gone. You can't have Momo again. So who are you going to have? Saki? That's true. Ruaka? I think I said... <laughs> Death. Yeah, exactly. Um, Maybe they'll finally push I, Rio. I think I said on the last one where I don't think the main event is going to have... The biggest, or at least the title match, because we don't know if the title, match, title even main event, they might try and do a dream match kind of thing. Because we, it's so far out there, we can't know. And also, not all cards are built on, like the main event is what goes on poster, obviously, or the title match. But like I said last time, it was um, Rikio when Noah did the Tokyo Dome and he was shy. And they still drew good numbers, so it, the main event isn't going to be the life and death of the show, I feel, is my main point. 
I think it is. This 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 show, if rumours are to be believed, this show was going to be headlined by Arisa versus Mayu, title versus title. Yeah, you're never going to get something as good as that. You're not. Because Arisa, Arisa would carry Mayu to the best, best match of her career. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, but <laughs> that, that's a main event. That is your mm. main event. You are not going to get a match like that now. And you need a hook. Irrelevant of whether it's a dream match that headlines it, the title match has still got to be good. Because if you've got a dream match, okay, fine, have that at the top of the card. If it is backed up by utter garbage, it doesn't matter who you've got in that dream match. You won't sell tickets. You saw that Utami versus Mayu did 500 people in Sendai, and yes, Sendai is a gash market, but that's that's the reality of what we're talking about. You have got to have the best possible fucking card for Budokan irrelevant of whether the title match headlines you've still got to have the best title match you can put on and the fact of the matter is you only have possibly four or five people that can do that and that is why I think Momo takes the belt here if Mo- if Momo wasn't in this match Utami retains for me Mm-hmm. But because Momo is capable of putting on that stellar match that we... Look at the ninth anniversary show. That was fucking incredible. Okay? One of the matches of the year, hands down. The, in my opinion, the red belt match for Budokan is Momo versus Mayu. And Momo retaining over Mayu, getting her revenge for the ninth anniversary show. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that would be good. I, it, for me, it's still fifty-fifty because there's plenty of ways to book round it, and we just don't have time to go into this because this podcast has already went on way longer than we expected it to. But a lot, some of your points do hold true. I do still think that against the right person, Utami could be a decent main event person. But yeah, I don't know. We, we don't let's again for me it's on a coin flip so i guess we'll just find out in a couple of weeks okay Ooh. <laughs> final question then if you could have a red belt match or and the white belt match i've said my rebel match i think it'll be momo versus mayu who do you have uh- well first of all you sign candy floor no um red belt Melbourne versus Mayo would be good. See, just be, for some reason, a Risa just keeps coming back, and it's never—it's not going to be a Risa, and that's sad. Um, White Belt, I'd say keep it on Julia. Um, make DDM more face, and then like have one final big face off with Tam, where Tam, with her new, with her fairly recent full heel turn, finally beats Julia. I think that would be nice. That would be nice. That would be nice. Um, so if we had Mayu and Momo on top and then have Julia and Tam underneath, yeah, that could certainly work. Mm-hmm. And also, um, because um, while Kyrie's doing stuff with WWE, she's not signed, so it's possible she could be there. Oh so my like, God. if you stop it, so, Chris, stop no, it. No, it's the same. Like, <laughs> it's the same six months. Um, 
Kyrie can actually come to stardom. And just she didn't wouldn't even have to be in a title match. She could just come in and face someone, maybe like Utami to raise her clout or um I'm trying to think who she hasn't faced on the current Saturn roster. It's probably most of it. Um so she could come in, have that match and like with so like the return of Kyrie and those two title matches. Oh like honestly with Return of Kyrie and any of those title matches, I think you're in a pretty good stead there. I agree. I agree. I think you've got the return, by the way, I should I should absolutely just say the return of Kyrie is complete speculation. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, God, there yes. Was, there was absolutely no basis in any sort of reality. It just has like at least one percent possibility, which means I feel comfortable throwing it out there as like a possibility. <laughs> like there's like next, it's like if we were booking say a new Japan card, and I went, well, Chono could turn up. <laughs> like, <of course. laughs> No, I'm with you 100%. I think if you had those three matches on top, Momo Mayu, um, Julie versus Tam, and then have a special exhibition match, Utami versus Kyrie, fuck me, that build, that building would sell. Um, and obviously we don't know where we're going to be in terms of COVID, so I'm, I'm reluctant to say sell out, but I think you'd do, you'd do very good numbers. Anyway, let's stop it there, Chris, because that, as you've said, that podcast has gone far longer than we thought it would be as we were talking about nothing but Road 2 shows. Um, thank you so much for listening, though, guys. We really do appreciate it. We'll be back on December the 13th to talk shows leading up to Osaka Dream Cinderella. We will then be back, fingers crossed, Stardom World allowing. We'll be back on December the 23rd to talk about the Osaka Dream Cinderella show. Looking forward to that. Um, December 23rd as well will be the day that we release our ballots for the Stardom End of Year Awards. So keep your eye out on our Twitter, on our Facebook, on the website and on the Discord for those coming out then. Um, you can listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, comment, share. It really, really does help us out. Thank you so much to everyone who already does listen. The numbers are doing really, really well. We can't thank you enough for listening to us because ultimately we are two twats on the internet. So thank you for that. Um, you can find the podcast on Twitter at The Stardom Cast. Uh, join the Facebook group, Podmania Podcasts. Go and check out the website, www.podmania.co.uk, the brand new look website website where you can check out all the archived episodes of the stardom cast uh you can talk to me on twitter at at real rob goodwin chris where can they find you oh where can they find me driving home for christmas down 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 and we'll see you guys again <laughs> on the 13th of december bye-bye Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.